Do not adjust your dial. You are in the right place. This is the People's Pitch, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I am your host, John, and as always, I am joined by my right-hand man, the Mr. Nathan, the voice, Morales. Nate, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, man. Riddle me this, John. When does something feel like nothing? (laughs) It's when you draw against Duluth FC and you're, the point you come away with feels like zero. You know, I kind of tweeted at, uh, the next day after the game in response to some stuff and was just like, this is why soccer is both fucking awesome and fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> because it's both sides of the coin, right? That You know, like, you, you have this situation, it's back and forth, and maybe it doesn't go your way, it goes your way, and then all of a sudden at the end of it, you're either the winner or you're the loser. In this case, it, the tie feels like a loss. So you're you're 100 correct. But yeah, I feel like this is almost why a lot of Americans don't understand soccer. Like, wait, no. there, there are ties, right? <laughs> that doesn't right. feel correct, right? One team feels like they won, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're 100 correct. But we have a, a show tonight, chock full of recaps and previews. So we might as well jump into it. We will cover the recap of the hotly contested Duluth FC match from the weekend. Preview Med City which is coming in town on Wednesday night. And while we're at it, we'll just dive right into a preview of the Dakota Fusion match on Friday. So, Nate, we got matches on matches on matches this week uh, for the City Faithful. We glossed over the fact that last show was our 50, 50th, man. Happy hey. belated anniversary. We, yeah. we made it 50 shows without getting the FCC to shut us down. So yeah, made it a big golden anniversary. I know. what What's uh, what's the 50th anniversary? I, is that, is that wood? Is that wood? <laughs> wood is like two... <laughs> Do, do I do I get you wood I for our 50th anniversary? I will not accept it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, so we we digress back into the show here. I just, <laughs> I thought I'd shout shout that out real quick. Well, John, let's get started with our recap of uh, this weekend's action against Duluth FC. And uh, you know, this was a match, of course, that really had been building up probably since we started uh, since we started signing guys like. All of a sudden, these you know there was uh, there was some Twitter beef that has that has gone on. There's been a lot of trash talk, um, you know, ever since ever since Brian Coleman joined the team, uh, you know, it has only intensified. And so a lot of people were looking forward to this match. And I already had a pretty low opinion of the Duluth players and the Duluth fans. And this game does not uh, did not help. Oh man, not just because of the results, but just because of the style of play. I just uh, I'm starting to like where VSLT will be like a nice friendly rivalry. Like, won't it be fun when they come and we'll have a nice a nicely contested match and everyone will shake hands afterwards. With this one, it's like ah, oh, I don't even want to look at you people anymore. <laughs> this is like this is well, like this, <laughs> this is like a serious like Yankees Red Sox rivalry here. You know. It, I'll I'll just dive right in. <laughs> At least for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I I hate to say I have a little more experience in the game because I'm not that type of guy, but I've come across this this feeling a bazillion times and I've been on both sides of it, but the result was less than optimal, and I will leave it really at that. But, but points are points, and although we dropped two, you know, we're not that far off track taking four out of six in our first two matches. So Worst case scenario was zero points out of six, and I'm getting fired. And <laughs> you we, can't get fired; you're the owner. <laughs> I I can absolutely get fired. I can get moved into like intern duties. That's true. You know, uh, if you're listening, interns, you guys do a great job. Thank you so much. But I, you know, I could be totally fired. I could uh, players could be quitting, coaches could be hating life, fans could not show up. But at the end of the day. We hit reset, and the fans are going to come back. The players, I was at practice today. If you look on Twitter, I took the boy there. We're, that was we're, adorable. 
Yeah, he, <laughs> he got so mad every time. I had him in a little, like, baby Bjorn facing the action, and then every time I'd turn away to, like, shag a ball, he would give me that look, like, why are we not watching the action? And, uh, but, you know, so uh, the guys are motivated. Uh, this, you know, everyone's got a positive attitude, you know, after the what we'll get into in a little bit. And, you know, Abdallah is back. You know, it's like oh. there's an injection of, of positivity and – uh, the next foot forward, you know, it's very Jeremy of of us right now. Where yes. soccer was weird, some shit happened. You just you just chalk it up to experience, and you and you move forward. Yes. Well, John, I'm gonna uh, let's do let's dive right into this recap here. Uh, starting lineup for City. If you if you weren't at the game, I understand it was. While you know, I would have hoped everyone would come out for the season opener, uh, the home opener. It was rainy and cold, and I was. Thankfully, in the booth, uh, I would have had a. I would have been pretty miserable down there in the stands with everyone else. It, it was terrible. I was on the bench. It's uh, you looked like you were fighting fires, man. You had like some full, full blown like rubber suit on, and I'm I sure did, you were still soaked. I did because you got to be prepared, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, starting lineup for City. These are the guys that were the true heroes out there, John. Uh, of course, you had Peter in goal. Peter run. Peter was in goal because of of Matt Elder's red card. Uh, from the VSLT match, of course. Uh, you had AO, a backline of AO, AJ Albers. Trey was back. Trey made his return appearance, and that was great. And then Nick Hines uh, on the left side. And then your midfield, Steve was in his holding or defensive midfield role. Coleman, Brian Coleman got the start, which was great. I'm sure he was fired up for that. And he, he showed us some, uh, he showed us a little bit of fireworks. At times, <laughs> he was he was more of a kind of a roaming midfield role. He was all over the field. I think it seems like you guys gave him some freedom as long as he he stuck to a couple key responsibilities. He he was given a pretty long leash, uh, and then Martin slotted in more of the uh, attacking midfielder role with Goose and Will on the wings and Connor as the striker on the bench. You had Max, you had Nate Engel, you had Hoof, you had Whitney, Javi. Timmy Wills and big game James is our backup goalkeeper. I have um, a little bit to add about that. I yeah, think, uh, you know Brian Coleman was turned up to 150. I think if it's possible <laughs> to go past 100, <laughs> like the guy, the guy had all the juices flowing. So even game. if he had an assignment, he was uh, he was he was straying from the uh, straying from the pack as much as he could. Yep, and you saw him rein things back in the second half. That's true, and and it was he. He, he, like I said, he had all the juices flowing, maybe maybe too positively, and we had to throw some negative charges on that to, to dial it back a little bit at half. And, you know, being a pro's pro, he did that. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there. So you can anyone can read the recap at 55.1. There's also a recap on the NPSL website uh, and then NPSL North. There's tons of blogs out there and websites that have a recap. I'm just going to focus on a real brief one, of course. So after a strongly contested uh, first half filled with some really physical play, one of the many, many fouls that was committed finally led to a city goal from Martin Brown Jr. Uh, from the free kick, about 18, 20 yards out, outside the, uh, outside of goal. We went up, uh, we went into the half 1-0, which was pretty awesome. Um, that kind of tough physical play continued into the second half and and they were they were kind of needling us where they could until uh Whitney Brown who came in uh to spell goose after goose was injured if that if I'm not incorrect you're uh, correct yes so Whitney Brown came in to spell goose and during a one of our own free kick opportunities uh there was some shoving on the on the line or start shoving in the wall and Whitney was was caught throwing an elbow into uh Ghani Bentall the uh, one of the uh, one of the Duluth FC players, Ben Tall, went down. Um, probably amazing performance by him, and and Whitney was was given the red card at the uh, at the insistence of the the line judge. So uh, we're down to ten men. We held on pretty strong, but after stoppage time was called, probably with a minute left in the game, uh, Duluth answered back with a late equalizer from something called Mally Lumsden and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know bounced past Peter and and that was it that was the game we had we had time for one or two passes and then they blew the whistle and we were shocked the draw was on but John what I really want to cover in this uh, in this recap are three themes three themes that I'm that I'm leaving the game with 
Uh, the first, of course, is Martin Brown Jr. is really good at free kicks. Uh, is that am I uh, am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, you're you're uh, you're not wrong, Martin. He has the ability to to do something that a lot of free kick specialists don't at this level in particular is he is left footed. So you, you have goalkeepers that at this level that are used to seeing right footed shot takers and with his, his ability with his left foot, it gives us a whole nother dynamic that he can explore different sides of the goal in different ways from different angles to put the ball in that guys aren't used to. And you saw that against the, the U of M the goalkeeper was nowhere near the uh, the free kick that I think went up and over the wall and bounced in. He put so much swerve on it. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, the, the goalkeeper for Duluth, you know, he apparently wasn't watching the tape. And he was he was kind of caught cheating a little bit. And I talked to Martin about it after the game. And, and I asked him, and, and he did say that, you know, he saw the guy cheating a little bit over to the right side. Yeah. And uh, and he put it the only place he could have. And, I mean, uh-huh. the guy was outstretched and, and still still was able to find the back of the net. John, now the guy the guy may have watched the tape because Martin's free kick against uh, oh, yeah, you're right. the Golden Gophers have. went to the right side. So the fact, I mean, this guy's ability to curve the ball one way or the other with, with the left foot uh, – is definitely very dangerous. And counting that friendly against the Gophers, that is three goals from City in uh, in three games, or three goals from Martin. I'm sorry, in three games on set pieces. And so hopefully, um, this is this is something that's going to make opposing teams think twice about things like bringing Goose down every time he's got the ball within five feet of entering the box. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is something that last year. Was was the tactic on Goose once 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 you, they found out you can't bring him down in the box because that's a penalty. Uh, you know this this poor kid was was hacked and slashed all up and down all up and down the uh, the, the rest of the season, and and even we saw that in Duluth. I mean, ten fouls against Goose within, during the game. He goes off. Uh, he goes off with a pretty pretty nasty looking cleat mark uh, on his on his calf or on his knee. Um, you know he he's a marked man. So if 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 there's a threat outside of the box from from free kick range, uh, they got to think twice and they got to think of something better to do against Goose than just hack and slash. But mm-hmm. I'm thinking, is this is this going to be an issue going forward? Because like two thirds of our goals are coming off of off of free kicks, whether it's um, set pieces or directly from f- from free kicks. Well, I'm going to answer your question and then I want to kind of double back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's an issue. It's kind of an asset, to be honest with you, is that once we click through the run of play and we start we start scoring some goals, you know, the more conventional ways, this is just another way that we can score. So I think that it's great that we're doing it now because most teams are not. Yeah. So I think that it, it's, it's not a detriment. It's definitely an asset. But I, I did want to go back to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the strongly contested first half. And I, I, I think that... You know, you have to talk a little bit about the officiating in 1A is that the guy was bad in the center for both teams. Yep, they I, were I, he was he was not uh he was not he was liberally using his whistle. We'll we'll put it that way. Right. And I think that I, I want to make it very clear even though we're obviously biased and we think that everyone in their team was doing some playing some dirty pool we were also not complete saints there were some, there were some many fouls that we had on, on our end that were a little questionable yep i thought that uh the challenge that coleman had on tom corcoran it was yet it was clean there might have been a little bit more of a dragged foot that came through at the end that could have seen him sent off in the first half already being on a yellow but the referee chose not to make that decision that early so I think it was a case, uh, before we get into the Whitney Brown thing, I think it was a case of the referee for both teams missing the big one, calling the ticky-tack one, making up for the missing the big one with another ticky-tack one, and, and it just and it, it made thing, the fire grow and made things way worse than it could have been. So then every heavy challenge, everyone was freaking out, and yeah. Deleuze tactics of you know of 
kind of that persistent fouling led to the fact that every time someone was touched on both sides, it was so much start and stop and start and stop that everyone, including the fans, was just all into it and, and everyone was all heated. And I think that that's a direct reflection of the officiating. You know, if you're going to be bad, you know, be consistently bad, call the big ones and let the little ones go and not let the little ones go or uh, let the big ones go and, and then call the little ones because that just does the, the reverse effect. And I think that led to what happened with Whitney was off the ball, kind of some pushing, and and the, the defender definitely baited him into a situation where he, he has to be a little bit smarter there where you know the referee's already on edge. And what happened was from my vantage point from where I was standing on the sidelines – the guy was kind of putting his head into Whitney's face, and he and he didn't elbow the guy. He kind of pushed the guy away to get him out of his face. And from where the line judge on the far side, his vantage point was looking from behind a six foot three defender and a five foot nine guy is hidden. And then yeah, all of so a sudden, when he goes down. When he goes down, to him it looks as if something bad happened. Yeah. And not just to shove away from a guy who's sticking his head in some other guy's face. So I think, A, a little bit of play acting. B, a little bit of let's just get out of that situation and, and not even put us in, ourselves in that. And, I th- and we, I've talked to Whitney about it. You know, he, he agrees. It was just something that <clears throat> shouldn't have happened. It happened. We, we move forward. So let's talk about kind of that, uh, that philosophy of fouling throughout the entire game. Um, you know, this is my you know second point is Duluth was playing their game, and I say it's their game because uh, it seems like it's 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 a, been a theme so far in, in the two so in this season. And their game is not pretty. They're gonna bitch at the refs. They're gonna shove. They're gonna studs up tackle and otherwise foul you the entire game. And then they're gonna whine about it the whole time when calls go calls go against them. So the the only real bright spot are there were actually a couple, but. The bright spot that I saw for Duluth and the real threat that they brought early was Tom Corcoran. I mean, he, mm-hmm. they, and they pulled him pretty early, fairly early in the game for some reason. Maybe, you know, not obviously not because he was playing too clean, but I think that, um, you know, I, he'd, he'd also been knocked around by our guys. So maybe he, he, he picked up a knock or something, but he had a number of chances from free kicks and from long shots, and thankfully all of them were deflected or mm-hmm. saved, but they were dangerous nonetheless, and they got me a little nervous. And the, the other the other thing that I thought he did very successfully was he put a good amount of pressure on Steve really early in the game, uh, which kept him uncomfortable, a little off balance, and it really prevented our back line from adequately connecting with, with our men up front. I think we had a hard time getting that attack going consistently in the first half because of that. Um, but I know Tom had played for us. In, in, he played for us in the U.S. Open Cup qualifier. He's kind of a friend of the club. He's referred a couple players to us. And uh, so I don't want this to seem like it's it's ass-kissing, but I thought that far and away Tom Corcoran was the classiest and probably the, the most dangerous player out there as far as shots on goal, shots towards the goal, making making attacks and, and making chances happen um, You know, for Duluth on uh, on this last weekend. What do you think? You know, I I 100% agree with you. We, you know, Tom was with us for, you know, upward almost five months, right? When we were leading up to the Open Cup game, and, and then even in the aftermath of the Open Cup game, and what we know from Tom is that he he's a classy center midfielder. He can he can pick you apart with passing. He's not afraid to get stuck in and and be heavy on challenges, which you need out of a center midfielder. And I think you're 100% correct. Out of all the players uh, on the team that we saw. He was the one that was trying to do more of the link-up play, which we, we kind of talked about last week on the show into the preview, is that he's the one that's going to either sit back or he's going to get forward and he's going to break you down technically. And we know from a free kick perspective, he he has those skills. And I think that, you know, you're right. He was he was playing classy and he was, you know, he was picking us apart a little bit with his ability to find the the channels where the wingers were running onto and then playing the ball up up top through Kyle Farrar. And I thought Kyle Farrar played a great game. You know, he, he sets up the, the the goal we're gonna talk about, but his uh his game with his back to our goal and his hold up play really 
causes some fits and it was either bring him down in a, in a more of a professional technical foul or let him turn and, or, or play off that wall pass that he, that he had pretty much all day. And he's a really good target guy. And we saw it fully on display in the game. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is running in contrast to the, to the rest of the Duluth philosophy, which is to foul early and to foul often. And there were 28 fouls called. Now this is on both teams, which is fine. 28 fouls called in the first half. That's still a lot though. That's a lot. And 10 of those fouls were on, were against goose alone which is pretty uh, egregious, I would say. And this game of, like, uh, you know, the death by 10,000 cuts ended up paying off for them because, like you said, Coleman had calmed down in the second half, so he wasn't, and he'd already got that yellow card, so he really wasn't playing the full-blown destroyer role anymore. Um, but they finally got this reaction that they needed out of Whitney Brown, of all people, and we already went over this. I know, I, right? He's I feel like this guy on earth. Right, I feel like it's an Oscar-worthy <laughs> performance out of this Ghani Bentall guy after his... Um, you know, reactionary shove suckered that line judge into calling for that red card. But I'm going to say Duluth benefited from luck as well, because from what I saw, their keeper kind of had ham sandwiches for hands. This guy wasn't catching shit. He was, you know, these balls were bouncing off his hands. Um, He was maybe getting a punch on them, but they were, they were luckily not landing at the feet of city players off of the rebound. We just needed one more bounce to go our way. And we Mm -hmm. had a, we had a pretty good opportunity to score. Well, and he, his distribution was bad with his feet and with his and with his punting and his throwing. It was it's like if you noticed, everything went short to a center back or yeah. an outside back because the guy the guy couldn't distribute it further down the field. Yeah, and finally the third the third theme I want to I want to take away from this game and uh, you know I have to do this as a concerned fan, John. I have to wonder if this team is lacking the maturity to compete consistently or to win consistently. Um, you know, draws are fine, but we, we we want those three points. And of course, first mm-hmm. we covered this, you know, three times now. But you've got that elbow, and that's just a symptom of some guys running with hot heads. You you really just can't get baited into shit like that. But I'm gonna, you know, I'll admit if it can happen to Carly Lloyd, it can happen to anyone. She got a red <laughs> for an elbow in uh in her <laughs> uh for Manchester United women this this weekend too. So what are you gonna do? Um, but. You know, added on to that, you've got this these game management issues. Like you've already you're already down to ten men. You need to kill that game. Like think about how our open cup game ended with guys like Landy Madison holding the ball and killing time, protecting possession. Right? Mm-hmm. We were up and we needed to just kill the game. And now think about how this game ended. When you're down to ten men, you got the lead in stoppage time. There just needs to be better decision making. There you can't you can't be trying to make attack runs you can't be trying to do one twos to to beat a guy and do something cool you just got to hold the goddamn ball in the corner and and protect the lead don't you agree john you know if if i were on the field i would have kicked the ball in at highway 94 every time i got the chance and just let them play with deep throw-ins but i think you're correct i think the the one play where where i think this is it kind of compounded into the the play that we we lost the ball in the middle and they were able to counterattack was um, Javi Alicantra choosing to go to goal versus choosing to pull the ball back out and try to either hold it or find an, uh, a player to keep possession. And that's not a knock on Javi by any means. It's just that wherewithal, you know, that 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 comes with the, the heat of the moment where you you some players can dissect it quickly in their heads and and it's like oh yeah I got I got to slow things down. And others are like, but I have a chance to score the goal that'll put up put this game away. Exactly, and I, and I think that like even in even after Javi came on for Coleman, probably the 80th minute in, into the 90th minute before Savage Time was called, we we were creating some great chances. Javi and Will were really looking dangerous moving forward, mm-hmm. and uh, and I agree that like that that's got to be tantalizing. But once that Savage Time is called, you. You know, don't you, don't, you like, don't you feel like you gotta just pump the brakes a little bit? Yeah, um, it's just the heat of the moment, you know, yeah. and it, it's uh, it is what it is, you know. It's Men- so ahead. mental toughness. What I'm saying is mental toughness is really what I'm looking out for, uh, looking for out of, out of this team moving forward. Because I think in order to really separate from this from the pack, especially considering how how many points Dakota has, how Med City could be okay. Um, how it looks like Duluth is going to compete. We we we're really going to have to grind in games like that. We're in games like this one and see them out to get those to get those three points against the kind of competition we have. Mm-hmm. 
So final thoughts on this game, and then we'll move on. I think Duluth seems to think that things are going to go differently for them when we head up there at the end of June. I think there's a there's quite a public Instagram post that uh, Tom <laughs> yeah. Corcoran made, I'm going to say innocuously, uh, innocently, and then his teammates started piling on. And uh, <laughs> that shit's public, guys, so now it's all locker room material. So I think in all of our minds, fans and players, this draw was as good as a loss, and the guys are fired up about it. So we're going to, I think we're going to show up in Duluth at the end of June and get the result that we should. You know, Nate, the great equalizer for a garbage game goes twofold. One, you either fight back and things get out of hand. Or two, you just play better soccer. Yep. And I think that the the ability that we have to rebound from this is the second, is the latter, is, is to just play better soccer. Because mm-hmm. we can. I felt that we did a little bit more of that in, in and we we still got ourselves into some stupid situations. We did better uh, a better job of playing good soccer in the second half and you know it can it can cause a great deal of heartache in the end when you 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 pull yourself out of that garbage and then you still don't get the result you wanted. So we pick yeah. ourselves up right off the turf at Nelly. We get right back at it Wednesday night, and the only way forward is to make this a statement match where we play really good soccer and we and we pick up all three points. At Let's home. talk about it's... Wednesday, John. All right, so Nate, uh, you call them the medics, yeah, which I, I think it. is a fa- it's a fantastic <laughs> name, but I call them the naughty nurses. It's I think I should have won the Twitter poll. <laughs> I voted for it. They didn't. They didn't uh, heed my call. Um, but whatever you want to call them, they are in town Wednesday night to take on your crows, and people. Uh, they're a good side, so we, we cannot sleep on them. A little bit of rundown on them is they're a new squad in uh, to non-league soccer with them being this being their inter, uh, inaugural season. With the impending USL affiliate in Rochester next year for Minnesota United looming, I wonder what their plan is, but you know we, I think we can discuss that when we get closer to, to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But you have to think that some, something – odds going to happen. I don't think they're going to draw as well if there's another game in town. I think that's what everybody is kind of feeling in non-league soccer is when, you know, people in Detroit say, "Oh, we got 5,000 people." Well, yeah, you're you're the only game in town where we have Minnesota United and now we have the Twin Stars, we have VSLT, you know, Rochester's just down the road. There's a USL team coming. So everyone's got to slice out their piece of the of the pizza, but uh, <laughs> you know, I just delicious what, little Caesar's pizza. Yeah, delicious little Caesar's pizza. Official sponsor of <laughs> Minneapolis City. <laughs> but you know, you have to wonder a little bit as to you know, a new side coming into a league like ours that's drawing well. What happens when you have to split that up? So, anyways, the nurses currently sit just below City on three points after beating and uh, beating the stuffing out of Aris, which seems to be a theme, and then falling three nil against our Friday foes Dakota Fusion. So, and we'll talk a little bit about those guys in a bit. Yeah. The team has taken a little bit of a different approach to City Nate in choosing to sign a few local Rochester natives. Uh, which we'll again highlight shortly, but the main base is from out-of-town talent living in Rochester this summer. So unless you're a doctor or a patient at the Mayo Clinic, I can see many other places I would personally rather vacation than Rochester, Minnesota. But if you want to play in the NPSL at at this level, and that's your only shot, I I guess you you kind of take it, right? Yeah, totally. So It's, it's, you know, an hour and a half from the city. It's it's still, it's, I mean, like I said, Nothing against Rochester, but I would choose other places to spend my summer. Mm-hmm. So they have a fan base around like 1,500 fans that showed up at their That's first nuts, match. That's nuts, by the way. Totally I nuts. I saw that picture. So it's basically like going back to what I just mentioned, that how does that slice up once you get a team that's at a higher level with more pro-ready talent? You know, what What do you do then? Um, but for their first match, they had, the, they had those people, and they partnered with Mayo Sports Medicine Clinic, which... Uh, is their title sponsor, and although it's way less more fun than Summit Brewing Company as our title sponsor, they have the ability to use those facilities, um, so we can expect a very fit team that's going to come down on Wednesday. But as we've seen with fitness, uh, that tends to be trumped by the, what I call the great equalizer in this level of soccer, which is travel. Yeah. Um, so at this level, um, that may be the reason why they didn't show well against Dakota, but really, you know, who knows? Could it also be that Eris is just really bad 
and it could totally be. <laughs> um, it's easy for anyone to beat them three nothing, and Med City came up against uh, any level of competition, and they they got dismantled. It, it could be, or it could be they didn't travel full strength. It could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about the organization. What do you say we uh, dive into some players to watch? Yeah, Nate? I'm interested to hear who these dudes are. Okay, well, let me dive in. Whoa, what just happened here? Oh. All right, folks, we're back. <laughs> yeah. So players to watch. The first player on our radar is winger Mihad Muyashich. I hope I pronounced that incorrectly. Um who should be well-known as he played last spring sparingly with Minnesota United Reserve. So I don't think he played in our first match against them, but he definitely played in the second match. And he was definitely a a notable player in that match. So he's a pacey winger. Um, He's got technical talent and the skills to break guys down one-on-one, but also has that vision to kind of whip in a cross to oncoming attackers if need be. Mm -hmm. They gave him the captain's armband, but the knock on him from what I've been told is that um, he lacks the engine to last for 90 minutes. So he can be very dynamic, but he tends to wane as the game gets on. So maybe someone to, to look, look for in the, in the first 45, but perhaps that, that big male sports uh, science sponsorship has, has changed that. Um, Yeah. Who knows? But maybe we'll see, We'll see him, you know, be able to to put forward a, a full 90 minutes, but someone definitely to watch. Then you get to the rest of the squad, Nate, and they're littered with NAIA talent, which can, in my opinion, can kind of be hit or miss as you never really know what you'll get at, from that level. And, you know, they'll be hard-pressed to, to quickly gel as most of these guys are probably getting to the fact that they're figuring out their, their teammates, uh, you know, playing styles and then maybe just their names. As, as these guys are kind of coming in. I think they just signed two more players. So, you know, our roster's been together for almost two years now, plus sprinkling in a few players. But everyone being from this area knows each other. So they don't really have that luxury. So as far as other players are concerned, anchoring the team is JC Perez Castro in net, who in 2013 was on youth trials with uh, in his native country of Spain with the likes of Real Madrid, and then in 2014, Real Zaragoza. So those aren't like bad teams. I don't know if you know soccer. But no, I mean, I've, I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it goes beyond FIFA. Those, those are kind of household names to the, the, uh, the more than average soccer fan. But there's probably a reason why he didn't uh, he didn't stick on with them. But he's a hulking goalkeeper, going about six foot four. Jesus. Who has, he has good positional awareness, but like most goalkeepers at this level, the, the, and I mentioned it last week, the ability to hold on to a well-struck ball can kind of be their demise. And I think it's kind of the same same with this guy. Yeah. That you know um, we saw with uh, was it Tun Tunsil Run Run Hall whatever the guy's name was from Duluth. We'll call them ham sandwiches. <laughs> ham sandwiches. Yeah, ham sandwiches. Where you know stuff that was hit real hard should have been caught. Yeah, was was parried down, and and then you're, you're you have those oh shit moments if you're a center back that a ball just popped right in front of you in front of the goal with four guys just drooling over a rebound goal. So maybe we'll see a little bit of that on Wednesday. Um, and then finally, we have a German Nate. Uh, a, a man after my, a my own uh, a man after my own nationality he, he goes by the name of uh Thilo Wilkie Thilo is an attacking midfielder who may be small in stature but uh he's a Deutschland product that resembles another Deutschland product who's a small attacking kind of midfield dynamo and that's Mario Goza oh so yeah he, but so he, <laughs> but what's he what, how does he look on a boat <laughs> you'll <old> boat boner <laughs> I don't know yet. We'll, we'll have to see what happens if they win the if they win the league, and then he goes out on the boat with his model girlfriend, like Mario did. But Thilo, he possesses smarts on the ball as well as the ability to find that dangerous pocket of space to receive a pass in when he doesn't have the ball. So his late runs inside the box and the and his ability to finish require someone like Steve to kind of have his head on a swivel when balls are played from outside back into the middle into our in our defensive third. Sounds a little like Timmy Wills. You know, a little bit, but more, um, more uh, of a individual flair, I guess you could say. You gotcha. Know, not to knock Tim at all, but you know, uh, the flashiness of of this guy and his ability to to do more of that that creative one v one attacking. Uh, 
is, is a little bit different than Tim, but his his wherewithal and his ability to find that the space is is very much so nice. in line with your, with your comment. So overall, Nate, we're going to see a different type of team than we saw against uh, us on Saturday. These guys they put the ball down and they actually play soccer. And they they possess the smarts on and off the ball and are and are slowly starting to gel like I talked about. So it'll be another difficult one at the Nelly on Wednesday, but you know it's definitely a task that I think we're built up we we built up to, uh, and we're and we're 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 getting better each time we get out on the training pitch. But speaking of Wednesday, game details: we are at Edor Nelson Field. Uh, on the majestic campus of Augsburg College at 7 p.m. for the kickoff. Coolers, if you'd like to bring in a cooler, $5 will get you in with a small one, 20 if you got a big one. The Citizens are starting early as usual, around 5 o'clock at the Viking Bar. Definitely head on down there. And then spin on back for some pizza and beers with some of the crows in postgame. Nate, what are your final thoughts on on these on the Naughty Nurses? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to see... Uh... I'm I'm looking forward to see us bounce back against the disappointing results last weekend. I'm also interested to see if the medics or the naughty nurses are are the kind of team that lose three nothing on a regular basis, or if they're the kind of team that win three nothing on a regular basis. I think you know there's there's a small sample size here, and uh, I'm I'm not too certain that the result against Eris is is uh, is very indicative of what they can do. So. Like I said, I'm interested to see this new team. I'm interested to see what they can do and uh, and what kind of what, what soccer looks like down in Rochester. I'm kind of interested in seeing if they bring fans with them. To be honest, that would be sweet. I mean, fine for yeah. once. It's <laughs> the Duluth guys brought like one dude. I know. I thought they were going to bring a contingent down. It might have been the weather. I mean, it was raining all day, but still, I thought they would. With with all the back and forth that was happening with the two teams. In the social spaces, you would have thought they would have maybe brought the thunder a little bit. Yeah, they're just content to sit behind their keyboards and watch the game from there. But <laughs> on Friday, the uh, you know after this Wednesday game, we have to bounce back because we've got a Friday game uh, against Dakota Fusion. So we're going to be testing our depth and and our fitness when we host FC Fargo. I'm I'm sorry, Dakota Fusion. That is the by the way first place NPSL North Dakota Fusion, mind you. Um, and this team has risen from the ashes of FC Fargo. They've got a, a new investor. He's thrown a ton of cash behind this behind this team, and they have combined the best players from the Fargo-Moorhead area. Um, they've pulled from um, not only FC Fargo, but there's another team up there in Fargo that, that the name escapes me right now, and they're pulling guys from St. Scholastica and, and Moorhead State and all these places, um, all the college players that they can find. From. I believe you mean uh, Jamestown University, not Saint Scholastica. That's the one, James. And good old James. Everyone knows Jamestown University, John. Right. Um, but this is, <laughs> however, this is not the team that that we destroyed last summer in the Summit Keg match. Um, there are some holdovers from good old FC Fargo, but only one man on the roster this year so far made the trip down to Minneapolis, and that is goalkeeper Stephen Harris. And the thing with that is he had to play defense in the Summit Keg match because they were traveling with so few people. So in order to fill their space, they've they've not really... <laughs> not, to, not to interrupt you, but do you remember when the citizens were, were chanting, why do you even need a bench? Because the coach was sitting by himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate to, I hate to, to kick a horse while it's already dead, but I mean, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough to get guys worked up to drive, you know, four hours in order to, definitely get their shit kicked in and so I'm, i don't blame i don't blame so few, few dudes for showing up <laughs> right. but um but this dakota fusion team has imported a number of foreign players uh in to to kind of shore up their roster of of ex fargo guys and these guys come from like baghdad and the like so hopefully they know how to ball you got you got a good number of international players on this team that they've that they've imported for some somehow now, Dakota Fusion is number one in the league. They're, they have two. They have a three and one victory and a three nothing result uh, against Sioux Falls and against Med City, respectively. And John Jade, this guy Jade Johnson, is the player to look out for. He has tallied three goals in these two games, and he was particularly dangerous against that Med City team. That plays they they play kind of a pretty high line, so he was able to sneak behind them pretty easily. He pairs pretty well with his old FC Fargo teammate, Sunaj Beljulji. 
And those guys both, <laughs> I while think they the second J is silent. Bill Julie, <laughs> uh, they both. <laughs> I don't know. They, <laughs> the Bill Julie brothers both play, by the way. Uh, yeah. So they. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were teammates on, on good old FC Fargo, but we didn't see them last summer. But we might need to keep an extra pair of eyes on these guys in order to keep them keep them off the score sheet. What do you think about this Jay Johnson cat? Well, I think uh, before I get to him, so I've had the opportunity to play my personally against FC Fargo twice, and I've talked about it a little bit when we did. If you if you go back in the the, the dusty archives that are the 50 <laughs> shows we've done. And I, I've talked about how, you know, I agree that, that there is some talent in that area. Um, it shouldn't be, you know, uh, the light shouldn't shine away from the fact that they, they don't have top level universities and, and a player pool like we may have in Minneapolis, yeah but they do have some guys that can play. And, and I think, you know, you talk about Jay Johnson and if, <clears throat> if I can kind of draw an analogy from someone that the Crows know well. Jay Johnson is very much like a poor man's Andy Laurie, like a, a big body who just makes very calculated runs and can 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 finish when he's given the opportunity. And I think that a lot of a lot of people are shining that light towards him because he's scored so many goals to start the season. But I think that perhaps maybe not the best center back pairings in the league have have has he gone up against where he can yeah. really, you know, show how, you know, is he that good? I kind of, you know, put the money where the mouth is kind of thing. He is very good, but perhaps maybe not the best uh, use case uh, scenario when it comes to the, the last two games and the defenses. Well, we'll see, I guess, because we play Med City first. So if Med, if Med City center backs confound us on Wednesday, we're going to know that uh, Jay Johnson might be the real deal and we should keep an eye out for him on Friday. The Great keys, name, of course, for City will be to stop this guy and to break up that organized Dakota defense. John, I know we've probably had people keeping an eye around the league, maybe doing a scouting trip here and there. What does what does the City expect to see from the fusions? Well, <laughs> not just one fusion, the fusions. Mm-hmm. A group of it would be fusi if it was more than one fusion. <laughs> the fusions. <laughs> um, so what we're gonna see from these guys is basically very similar to what you would have seen from a full strength Fargo squad. So you're gonna see a group of players that come from around the you know the same universities. They they are bringing in that that talent from elsewhere, like you mentioned, the Bujaji brothers, or uh, I don't know if the other J is silent. If it is, if it isn't. But these guys can play soccer, and they and the one thing that we can't do is overlook them just because they're from Fargo. It doesn't mean that they don't play good soccer up in Fargo. And I, I've seen players from Fargo play good soccer. What I what I also think is that I talked about you know a little bit when I was mentioning my thoughts on on Jade is that perhaps again either it was just a lacrosse areas situation or. Uh, you know, maybe a travel situation with with Med City that perhaps they haven't been tested, and they have to also travel down here and and yeah. try uh, once again travel with more than eleven people. So we'll see what comes down. You know, maybe we won't get the full length, the full strength team, or maybe we will, and it'll be more of a battle. But we have there's a lot of intangibles that are at play here that could definitely go against them. Well, uh, similarly to our Wednesday night game, the uh, the Friday night game is going to go off at 7.05. That will be the kickoff. Of course, coolers, bring them. They're $5 or $20 for the big guys. The Citizens, of course, starting early at the Viking Bar. And then spin on back to the Viking Bar for some pizza and beers with some Crows post game. John, I'm going to just say really quickly that this is definitely an excellent addition to last year's game day experience. If you want to feel like you're really part of the the Minneapolis City family or even the Minnesota soccer scene, uh, this is where you need to be. You need to plan on being at the Viking Bar before and after the game. You never know who's going to stop by. I feel like Hodeman didn't Hodeman tweet that he ran into somehow he ran into Vikings GM at the Viking Bar. He owns the Viking Bar. No shit. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Oh. 
So he's like, this is a bar I got to buy. This is the defunct Viking, Viking bar. I got to revitalize this. That's amazing. I um, might also say that it got real weird after everyone left because the death metal band started playing. And it yes. was just like two opposites. <laughs> like, <laughs> some soccer fans and then just like Guar showed up. <laughs> it was... <laughs> so you was, never know what you're gonna get at the Viking bar after the game, but you're definitely yeah. gonna get you're gonna get to chat up the city players, uh, and you're gonna get to see uh, you're gonna get to see some interesting music. They've also got free little Caesar's pizza that gets passed around, and they've got delicious hot dogs and sandwiches. I had myself a grilled cheese, and I loved it. And that is all for tonight's show, friends. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Summit. We've got two home games ahead of us, so get out to your local liquor store and fill that game day cooler with delicious Summit. With all of their offerings, everyone can find something to enjoy while you're watching City kick the shit out of our opponents. Memberships, they're still available. $60 is going to get you that season pass. It's going to get you that fancy new membership scarf, a membership vote, and of course... The, uh, the spiritual reward that you get from holding soccer close to your heart. If you just want to check out a game or two, though, maybe you're coming from out of town or you have a busy summer schedule, single, single game tickets are, of course, on sale. Eight bucks is going to get you in if you buy ahead on our website. Otherwise, it's going to be ten bucks at the door. You just got to head over to mplscitysc.com and get whichever entry method you want into our kick-ass match today. Hey, if you follow Minneapolis City on social media, you know that we are out in the community, at the community centers, in the parks, helping kids of all backgrounds connect to soccer. But we need the help and support of you, the people. If you're looking to align yourself with a fine group that loves to give back, you are in luck because Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that does good on and off the, fit, off, on and off the pitch by providing those less fortunate to have a safe, reliable place to play this beautiful game. And of course... Every donation is fully tax-deductible, so consider giving to the club that gives back. If you want to get hold of me or John, we have, of course, made it easy. You just got to send us a note on Twitter, at the People's Pitch, or you can email us, which nobody does, at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. Come on, email us. All well, questions, uh, comments, and concerns are welcome. Sneak buzz. I, I put it out there on Twitter, the 115th. <laughs> the sneaker uh, spam account won the 115th yeah. Twitter follower. So we'll yep. see if anyone, if there's a real a real human behind that or if it's some Bulgarian robot. <laughs> well, and if, if they don't come forward in the next seven days, our gonna... 116th person <laughs> will Hopefully come onto the show will. and do the world-famous Lupian Automotive Speed Round. Well, and don't forget, you can always hit the club up on Twitter if you want to tweet at them and get them into the in, into your uh, into your mentions at MPLS City SC on Twitter. That's all for this week, John. Uh, friends, fans, we're gonna see you all on Wednesday night at Edor Nelson Field as we take on Med City, and then again Friday as we line up against Dakota. The Dakota Fusions. This is uh, this is an awesome week for soccer. As for John and I, we're going to be back next week with analysis of those two games and more news from our team and around the league. I have been Nate. That was John. We're going to let our house band go get him Tiger take it away with their jam, Highway 9. Get out there and see some soccer this week, damn it. Peace. And like Goonie Ben Hall saw during the pushing match, mess with the crows, you get hoofed. Alright.